Coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast, we take a deep dive into this year's Mira Awards. We talk to winners in categories including Tech Product of the Year, the Community Impact Award, the Tech Education Award, and the Rising Entrepreneur of the Year. Also, the Air Force looks to Indiana for a new test plane. We catch up with a legend in the business of health. An IndyCar team looks to make a global impact. And we check in with our partners at the IBJ. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business Television Podcast. I'm Andy Ober. Indianapolis-based TechPoint once again honored the best in tech in Indiana with the 2022 Mira Awards. Taking home two awards this year was New Albany-based RX Lightning, earning Tech Product of the Year and Startup of the Year honors. The company says its platform helps cut wait times for life-altering therapies. CEO Julia Regan joined Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick with more. We incorporated in January 2020, right before the pandemic hit the world, and um, we've grown really quickly. So today, when patients are prescribed specialty medications, these are high-cost meds that patients can't get at the local pharmacies down the street, um, and they treat diseases like um, oncology, rare diseases, dermatology issues. Uh, Today, when uh, providers prescribe those, those medications, there's a lot of paperwork, phone calls, and faxes that occur. And as a result, it sometimes takes weeks or months for patients to get through the approval processes and get to uh, to start the meds. So we've automated all the paper processes, and now patients are getting them the medications in days instead of weeks. Talk about how difficult it can be and the, the time it takes for patients to get some of these specialty medications. What we've done is we've looked at each discrete paper-based process and we've automated it and our technology is completely proprietary. A lot of people automate uh, paper with writable PDFs. That's not our technology. Uh, We have some AI and machine learning within it and we have a very um, uh, intelligent platform for about 1,200 medications and because of it we create a unique experience uh, for providers where they could complete all these different paper processes in a single experience that's the same regardless of drug, Mm -hmm. pharmacy, program, um, insurance, et cetera. And it it becomes very user-friendly to the offices and very quick and easy. How dramatically do you shrink the time it takes for patients to get uh, get these medications? So uh, what we're we're hearing on average, so URAC is the organization that accredits specialty pharmacies. And when you look at their data, the average date to dispense is usually about six and a half days. Um, In our system, we're seeing our average data dispense between one and two days and the fastest we've been able to see is uh, about three and a half hours which is really just unheard of mm-hmm. yeah how about opportunities for growth as you look going forward uh, what, what do you see out there we shared we are a young organization we started in 2020 um, we ended the year with a couple employees at the end of 2020 and now we're up to 23 I think full-time and uh, we're looking to double by the end of the year so we really need great people and talent that are associated with the mission about helping patients and um, that are ready to join a fast-growing organization for some perspective now on the best and brightest in Indiana Tech, pleased to be joined by TechPoint Vice President for Stakeholder Engagement, Lauren James. Lauren, welcome. Thank you for having me G- back, Great Gary. event, yeah, last week, uh, last weekend. Um, 
RX Lightning, double award winner, but she was nominated for three awards, so she's really got it. That company's really got it going on. Julia and the RX Lightning team are a remarkable story. We're really excited for for her and the entire Mm -hmm. team. And if you sit down with her and see her passion and energy, Mm -hmm. you really know why that she's a success story. And they're, Julia said it, they're disrupting the medical market, Mm -hmm. particularly for those specialty medications. And not only that, they're saving lives while doing so. And she mentioned it's complicated, it's paper heavy, but they're turning that and streamlining a process that would take a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. to hours and perhaps even days and that's saving live, uh, lives while doing yeah. so, which we're really proud of her. Yeah, and I think that's an important point uh, to make, saving lives, impacting people. Yeah. I think another element of this is the fact this is a statewide uh, uh, company. It's a yes. New Albany company, Southeast Indiana, reflective of the fact that innovation is taking place not just here in Central Indiana. Yes, and for our 23rd annual Mira Awards, when you think about diversity across mm-hmm. the state, New Albany was just one of the, the GEOs represented in that class of 125 mm-hmm. nominees. Akila Darden, founder and president of the Darden Group, won this year's Community Impact Award. Darden was honored for her work in disrupting the construction industry to create opportunities for underrepresented groups. She joined us with more. So we're a construction management firm and we deal with large complex commercial projects and in the two billion dollars of building um, we've exceeded all goals and expectations. So we don't only just build the physical um, buildings, but we also build people, we educate people, we help the diverse workforce, and we help people to um, just think outside the box. So specifically, you are focused on the construction uh, industry, which is typically a white male-dominated uh, industry. How do you uh, how do you do that? How do you meet those diversity goals? What they see is what they'll be. And if I can get out there and show people that I am a black female in construction with 23 years and four kids and a husband. By the way, I like to thank my husband, and my kids, and my mom. Um, uh, it was just if they could see me and see what I've done, that they can do it. You, again, uh, made a a very quick and immediate impact after forming uh, your business, your first major uh, project, Bloomington-based Cook Group building a manufacturing facility on the city's near northeast uh, side. And you were tasked with uh, essentially uh, ensuring there's 100% diversity when it comes to all of the contracts and things associated with that. Talk about, first of all, talk about the project. Yeah, so the project is a 50,000 square foot manufacturing facility. It was built by Cook Medical, run by Goodwill. So we engaged um, the community. We had 97% percentage of color owning businesses, we had anywhere from 35 to 75 percent of the individuals who built the project from the community and of color. We also had three generations and it took 45 days. That's all we had. So what we did was we grassroots. Who is in the community? Who do we know? And let's get them out there and tell them what the goals are and to see how they could come alongside of us and uh, get it done. And we were able to get that done. And um and just impact the community and give people jobs who didn't have them. And we also gave them free uh, construction certifications and safety certifications along the way. Yeah, I know there's the manufacturing facility, grocery store, other things in that area, all part of that project that are really putting those people in the neighborhood uh, back to work. And you have uh, uh, really uh, used that uh, project to 
get additional projects. We've got a big uh, project with IU Health now, I understand. Absolutely. So because of the success of the manufacturing facility, I was hired by IU Health um, as a director of diversity and inclusion um, within design and construction. So now we went from a $16 million facility to a multi-billion dollar facility with the goals of almost a billion dollars in diverse spend over five years. So we're looking for diverse people to build. We're looking for companies to grow and even start just like mine. And people are starting businesses because of the Darden Group. And because I went to IU Health, I was able to hire five, and they happen to be women, to run the Darden Group um, while I'm at IU Health. Lauren James uh, from TechPoint joining me again. Great story uh, again and interesting in not only what she accomplished yeah. in terms of that 100% participation, but how she used technology to, to make it all happen. Yes, you can hear in her voice that tenacity and mm -hmm. that innovative mindset that's really setting Akila apart. Mm -hmm. And what's compelling about the story is how she harnessed that technology to do both what you've mentioned. She grew her workforce and then she's also capturing that target audience. And those mm -hmm. are two really outside of the box ways of thinking that even smaller and bigger companies should be adopting. Yeah, and that project, and she's going on to the IU Health Project, which is massive uh, here on the near north side of Indianapolis, but the Cook Group Project, that manufacturing plant, from a placemaking standpoint, the impact on community is substantial. Truly remarkable, yeah. and she brought that to life in the application, how intentional she was with those innovative efforts and then also bringing that forth in the near uh, east side, which is a community that desperately needs uh, that placemaking support. We're gonna see long-term impact. I Good. See it. The Tech Education Award went to Jake Simons, a fifth grade teacher and director of robotics for Wani Community Schools. Six years ago, he started a robotics team of 10 fifth grade students in a rural Amish community in Napanee. Two years later, they were world champions. Simons joined us after winning his award to tell his story. Yeah, I, I took over the high ability uh, class at our school, um, and the first thing someone told me was to start a robotics team, and I had no idea what that even meant. <laughs> I, I had no idea how to program, how to code, how to design, anything, build, nothing. Um, but I, I went through some training, thought it was going to be a short two-month season, and uh, told the kids, hey, we're going to fall but we're going to fall forward and we're going to fall together. And uh, that first year, we actually qualified for the world championship somehow. And uh, we were just kind of sold from that moment on. And what we thought was going to be a two-month season turned into a six, seven-month season with a trip to Louisville, Kentucky, and, and the rest is history. And you won the world championship. So then in three years, three, our yeah. third season, uh, we, we went to Louisville, Kentucky once again for the world championship. 6,000 teams across the planet from 40 different countries, um, and then only 400 make it to Worlds. And then from there, only 12 make it to the world championship finals. And nine of them were from China, one was from Hong Kong, which is a territory of China, and then two were from Napanee, Napanee Indiana. Indiana. That is a phenomenal story. How did, it, how did it happen? I mean, you started it, you th as you say, you thought it was going to be a brief little stint, turned into something more. Yeah. But what, what led to the success and the momentum behind the program? So uh, after that first year, I became hooked. Uh, I use the word passionate. My wife uses the word obsessed. <laughs> but... Um, after that season, you know, I decided 
I needed to dive into every single possible resource, reach out to every single coach that I could, talk to George Giltner from Tech Point Foundation for Youth, um, and just really dove in. And uh, we decided that we needed some strong structure if we were going to be successful. And so we, we created some sub-teams and a selection process and an application process. And then, of course, it was uh, we needed a community support. So it was a lot of uh, sales pitches to the community and, and fundraising. And so we're taking 10 teams to the world championship in Dallas, Texas this year. Uh, that's more than any other district in Indiana. Um, the, the curse of that is that it's expensive. So we have to get charter buses. We had to pr pay for registration fees. And our community supported us and came out just in a, in a huge, huge way. The awards are great. The notoriety is great. Uh, but how about the impact on kids? Oh, yeah. Because it, 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 can you can you describe it or put it into words and what, what it's meant to the kids? Yeah, so I would say the, the, the biggest impact that I see firsthand is the confidence building. Because, you know, when it comes to robotics, let me just say this. Our, our society and our culture is constantly saying failure is not an option, right? But when it comes to robotics, failure is an option. It's part of the process. You fail, you make mistakes, but you get up and you learn from those mistakes, and then you become better, and we use those failures as stepping stones for our next success. And so through that process, kids gain so much confidence. Um, and, and so I've seen that firsthand. That's the first word that comes out of every kid's mouth. That's the first word that comes out of every parent's mouth. My kid is just confident now. And, and think about the long-lasting effects of that, right? They just have a generation of confident people who are going to become our next world leaders and problem solvers. Lauren James from TechPoint uh, joins us again. And Lauren, that's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Uh, really a great story. And so interesting, the fact that Jake Simons, the fifth grade teacher, he didn't know anything about robotics, uh, no clue about that heading into this. Yes, that's what I love most about Jake's story is just that vulnerability that when he was first asked, he didn't think he should do it because, as you mentioned, he knew nothing about robotics, but that fateful yes mm -hmm. has led to such an impact. And I know you and I are both from rural communities, right. and I wish I had a teacher like that that was yeah. really helping to inspire STEM at such an early age. Another example of a life-changing uh, move, to be sure. And what I was astounded by was looking at that list of the world championship competitors, China, 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 Napanee, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, can this, in your view, serve as an example, maybe kind of be a role model for other schools? Certainly. And Jake's actually proving that. He shared with us that since that fateful yes, just a few years mm -hmm. later, he's actually hosting summer camps. He's designed a 22-week free virtual curriculum to help other virtual coaches say yes a bit more easily and onboard their teams yeah. in really meaningful ways. And just in 2021 alone, he's reached nearly 2,500 students and has wow. coached and mentored over 450 coaches. So that's incredible impact. Noblesville resident and serial entrepreneur Darian McKell didn't draw a salary for six months while launching his latest venture, Qualify, an on-demand screening platform that allows recruiters to phone interview hundreds of candidates in minutes. Since then, Qualify has signed key customers and secured millions in funding. He joined us after being named Rising Entrepreneur of the Year. So we make it really easy for especially high-volume recruiting teams to uh, pre-record audio-based questions, stack those into standardized interviews, and then send those out to job seekers um, really all across the country at this point. Um, enables them to create a more convenient experience and make uh, hiring a lot faster. I know you believe Qualify really solves a pain point for a lot of, uh, a lot of companies. What is that? 
Yeah, um, that's the phone interview. The phone interview is actually the slowest part of most hiring processes. Most people don't realize that. Um, that's often due to the, the scheduling and the coordination and then just the sheer nature of taking 20 to 30 minutes to uh, call every single candidate, um, and we make that a lot easier. Um, like I said, it's it's asynchronous, and uh, candidates are able to respond at their convenience any time of day, any time of night, um, and, and, and get their voice heard. What is it uh, about uh, the platform that is attractive to companies? Uh, employers are looking for more and more ways to be competitive and be quicker to get to the offer and hire the best candidates. So that's they're, they're looking for every edge. And, and we provide a tool that lets them be faster, creates, a, again, a more convenient experience where candidates are able to respond on day one as opposed to trying to schedule something that is days and weeks out. So where do you see those uh, those growth opportunities? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like we're just getting started. Um, we solve a really specific need right now. There's so many more things that we want to do from a product standpoint. I, I feel like we have a really big opportunity to uh, kind of own this category in the recruitment technology space around audio, around phone. Uh, we do this one specific thing, but there's there's a lot that we have in mind, and um, we're, we're just getting started. So I see a lot of opportunities in different industries and um, in, in helping more and more recruitment teams and, and, and talent leaders find the right people. Lauren, another great story. So many great stories. Uh, and, and Darian Michael's story, I think, is one of perseverance. He re really overcame a number of hurdles, obstacles, to achieve success. Yeah, what's not to love about a story of a rising entrepreneur? We heard that he started flipping uh, watches, watches on eBay yeah. and then launched a t-shirt company and then he went on to start a, a startup with over 70 employees and millions yeah. of dollars in revenue and he faced some adversity along the yeah. way but he didn't give up to your point and now he's doing really great work leading diversity efforts and growing uh, the, those diversity efforts and recruiting in the tech ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, another great story. All of the winners and, and truthfully the nominees as well. Great stories around the state of Indiana. Lauren, a kind of a bittersweet maybe uh, event for you. Another great mirror uh, event in downtown Indianapolis. Your last one, you're moving on. Where are you, where are you headed? It is. Well, I'm heading to the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation mm -hmm. as executive director starting June 1st. And it was bittersweet in many mm -hmm. ways. Uh, myself and our CEO, Mike, have really poured ourselves into the organization, Mike, especially over the last decade. Uh, and this was special in Mira land because it was our 23rd annual right. Mira Awards back in person uh, after two years of, of not being together we had over two or twelve hundred people yeah. in attendance 84 sponsors just remarkable all around Mike Langelier you miss uh, you mentioned Mike uh, moving on as well yes he's going to do big things he's spending time with his family uh, first and foremost and um, just so much gratitude for him and all the work that he's done pouring himself and making a place impact here in the tech community and I'm really confident that where we're going as a team is going to be um, really solid under the leadership with Team Gucci Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business Television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. Indiana Aerospace Innovation is taking flight. We have details on the rollout of the Air Force's newest test plane. Reporter Mary Rachel Redmond takes us inside Saab's new manufacturing operation in West Lafayette. Amelia Earhart and her crew at Oakland, California, ready for her great aerial adventure around the world flight by way of the equator, a journey no pilot has yet attempted. Two. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Two aviation legends that left an indelible mark on Purdue University. 
You could even argue their legacy in part has helped attract some of the top engineering talent in the world to West Lafayette. Purdue's a, a leading innovator, as well as has uh, the top engineering schools in aerospace and engineering. So perhaps it's no surprise that Sweden-based Saab decided to expand its U.S. footprint in advanced manufacturing on Purdue's campus and officially becoming an American company. By having that talent base uh, readily accessible to us, it really promotes um, the culture of growth and, and innovation and product design. That product is the T-7 Red Hawk, an advanced trainer jet for the United States Air Force, and the first brand new fighter trainer for the military branch in over 60 years. This is an important program for the United States Air Force because it's replacing an aging fleet. The, the T-38 was first flown in 1959 um, and has been uh, the, the trainer of choice for, for tens of years since then. Uh, but it's reached its end of life, so the maintenance costs are extremely high, and they're also not as reliable, and the T-7A fills that need. And things are moving right along to start production, including the completion of Saab's 100,000-square-foot facility. I see these blue lines on the floor. Is that going to indicate kind of where the manufacturing process is going to happen, machinery? It is. Our portion of the aircraft is the aft section, which is essentially the entire aircraft minus the wing, engine, nose cone, and cockpit. It's hard to imagine right now. So, I mean, literally, it's huge, right? Is, so will it, will it, it span? It, you know? it, will, it will fill the entire volume of, of this factory, correct. So there'll be people working on it from up top correct. and below. And below, correct, and inside. So given that the, the aircraft is kind of like a hollow tube, it's too big for us to do all of the work from the ground. So therefore, we install a, a second story so that we can do work safely from above. Because generally, you can take this. So when this is fully functional, how many folks will be on the floor? So we'll have a little over 130 employees out on the factory side. And while the new T-7 Red Hawk may be the most technologically advanced trainer jet ever made, its name is a nod to one of history's most celebrated group of pilots from World War II. One of my ambitions as a combat pilot. The tail of our aircraft is painted red, which is an ode to the Tuskegee Airmen of World War II. We look to pay homage to that. What an opportunity like this produces is you're actually talking to someone that would employ our student. And we want our student to have relevant experiences, so we're excited to be able to, to work closely with them as a partner. In a perfect world, let's say, you know, 10, 15 years from now, how do you envision Saab here in West Lafayette? So there's going to be an incredible amount of growth. Uh, we have high expectations that we will recruit uh, best-in-class talent. And uh, as we continue to, to be a, a leader in the aerospace market, the possibilities are, are limitless. Mary Rachel Redman, Inside Indiana Business. What is expected to be a blockbuster drug for prostate cancer is now on the market. It was discovered by the legendary Dr. Philip Lau at Purdue University. He spoke with Kylie Valletta in the Business of Health. Well, let's talk first about Pluvicto. Can you explain in basic terms what it is and why it's so significant for patients? Yeah, Pluvicto is a simple medicine that uh, simply concentrates radioactivity only in cancer cells and avoids their uptake by adjacent healthy cells. 
Pluvicto specifically has the uh, property of targeting the radioactivity to prostate cancer cells. And um, by um, increasing their concentration in these malignant cells, uh, it leads to the rapid death of the malignant cells and preservation of the life of the adjacent healthy cells. So it's a very targeted therapy that avoids damage to healthy tissues. Well, it's one of so many things you've done at Purdue. You've been at Purdue for 46 years, and it <laughs> yeah. seems like now things are kind of coming rapid fire for you. In yeah. 2018, you sold Indosite for $2 billion. You've started seven companies. This is your second FDA approval in less than six months. Do you feel like all these years of hard work now is starting to pay off? Yeah, um, it's been very re rewarding to finally see a few of these uh, drugs that we've been optimizing in the pipeline for many years uh, make it through the very arduous process of FDA approval and finally being um, approved for uh, distribution to people. And um, what's even more rewarding, frankly, is are the emails that I frequently receive from patients that benefit from these medicines. They acknowledge how uh, much it has helped their health and how happy they are and how it enables them to you know, be with their families longer and enjoy a greater, better quality of life. So that's extremely rewarding. So 46 years, I have to think, don't you want to retire? Do you need to rest? <laughs> it's such a long time. Well, I, I've thought often about retirement. As a matter of fact, I speak with my wife often about it. But in all fairness, um, ideas come to me very e easily and very rapidly. And I have so many really good ideas for treating such diseases as rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's, uh, uh, influenza, and COVID-19 infections. And we have projects in each of these areas, including, you know, projects on treating fibrotic diseases like pulmonary fibrosis and even bone fractures and uh, matters of this simple nature. So I would feel that almost uh, negligent of me to um, retire now and not do what I can do for people that are still suffering from these various you know, pathologies and maladies. So We I, only have about 30 uh, seconds left, yeah. but I do want to mention uh, you have uh, something in the pipeline for malaria, and yeah. that could be your next FDA approval. Can you just touch on that? Yeah, we've developed a method that traps the malaria parasite inside its host cell, the red blood cell, and uh, by trapping it inside, it, it prevents the parasite from um, proliferating and it's uh, outperforming any malaria medicine to date and as a matter of fact we're seeing eight, um, virtually 100% cures in 48 hours and that's remarkable so we're intending to complete the, um, the uh, approval process for that and make it free of charge available to everybody in the world. So incredible. We are a superstar Boilermaker. We're honored to have you here. Thanks for coming. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> University High School in Carmel is encouraging its students to learn from the world around them. Assistant Head of School Stacy Summit Mann says the Habitat for Community Learning program is turning the outdoors into a classroom. She joined us in our Ion Education segment. You're on the, uh, the campus there at University High School, a 9 through 12 uh, a great high school, 345 students there at 116th and Town Road uh, in, in Hamilton County. Uh, talk about this learning experience because this really is an outgrowth of an area that um, was needed for infrastructure at the school, but really, at, at least initially, didn't have a, a learning component to it. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, so my, my background is in uh, ecology. I'm one of the science teachers here at the school in addition to being the assistant head of school. And so this idea for the Habitat for Community Learning uh, really has emerged as a partnership between the students and the school. And so in 2017, uh, when I was teaching my environmental science class, we did an orienteering activity. And that was really just to get out on our campus, to learn about direction, to learn about space. And the students very quickly stopped at the parking lot. Um, and it was really interesting to me because their directions were to go further than that, but they just stopped at the parking lot and didn't recognize this whole other area as a part of our campus. And from there, we really dug in and started to explore uh, what is our campus, what's been here before, what's here now, and learned that there was this whole acreage uh, that was here for infrastructure. It's stormwater infrastructure, and it's a part of a, a major gas pipeline that goes through our campus mm. um, that really has no purpose right. uh, on our on our toward our educational mission. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, Stacey, talk about what's there uh, and, and what will ultimately be there and how how it will be used. Sure. Uh, what's what's here right now um, is we, again, have the, the stormwater drainage and what's being developed is the idea that this can be made into a better environment, both ecologically and for education. So uh, what is, is planned is that essentially right now what is a, a detention basin with not a lot there, uh, ecologically speaking, will turn into multiple wetlands with trails going through it, We'll have a couple different platforms for student learning, demonstration areas. There'll even be a, a piece of equipment that will allow us to change the water level of the wetlands to be able to do some experimentation um, with that angle. And really will just be a place on campus that students can connect to and can ground to in multiple different ways. Well, it's uh, hands-on learning to be sure uh, in the great outdoors at University High School in Hamilton County. Uh, it will be interesting to watch this project unfold. Stacy Summit Mann, the assistant head of school there. Thanks for joining us and I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Gary. All right. An IndyCar team is driving to make a better life for children in Uganda. Ed Carpenter Racing is partnering with Building Tomorrow. Carpenter joined Bill Benner on Inside Indiana Sports. How did this great partnership uh, with Building Tomorrow come about? Just Indianapolis connections, really. I, I had met George around town, but a, a mutual friend of ours who we're both really close with, David Ravensburg, kind of helped bring bring the two of us together. Uh, David's been, you know, supporting and, and donating to Building Tomorrow for a long time, and you know, we we came up with a creative way to to try to you know bring two Indianapolis entities together to to do something positive and. It's, it's really fun, you know, we've, you know, it's got great Indianapolis support, but we've also seen, you know, a ton of support from the Netherlands with, with that being Renus's home nation. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a local cause, but a global cause and we're, and we're getting global, global, um, you know, involvement. And George Soror, of course, has been with Building Tomorrow. He's been involved with uh, Uganda children for, for a long, long time. Uh, how many people have signed up so far, Ed, and, and uh, how can they still sign up if they wish? Yeah, so we're around 560 people have signed up at $75, so over 40,000 raised at this point. We still have time uh, to donate, so $75, that'll send five kids to, to a Building Tomorrow camp in Uganda, so um, you can go to bt.team, just bt.team, 
and make a donation. So we'll be finalizing that here in the next week or so, and and your name will be on a on a very cool looking race car. And you know, it should be up front. Renus traditionally runs really well here at the NDGP, so we're excited to get back. And uh, I, I know, you know, with the IndyCar team now coming back and they're testing at the Speedway, a lot of uh, involvement in local initiatives. You guys, again, you're going worldwide. Uh, how important is it for IndyCar and IndyCar teams to to take on these kinds of, uh, of initiatives? Uh, you know, I mean, I think just in life, you know, we all have different different platforms and reaches. And, you know, I think it's always fun when, when we're able to do something that connects locally but also makes a difference, whether it's here or, or anywhere else in the world. So something that's very important to us and to, to be able to have this partnership with Building Tomorrow is, is fun. Uh, looking forward to it. You know, we've, we've done a lot with Riley Children's Hospital over the years as well. So, you know, it's, it's you know, Hoosier Hospitality and we try to take care of each other. Ed, uh, we, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, I know the IndyCar community, they're focused right now on Barber uh, Motorsports and the Grand Prix there. Coming back to Indy though, Renus is the defending champ. And uh, so certainly optimism there. And uh, we want to see you back on the pole again. You've, you've for the 500, you've been you've been there three times. So, well, let's make it a fourth. What do you say? Yeah, I won't be mad about a fourth, but really <laughs> just want to, you know, be the, the first one to cross the bricks for two, the 200 lap on Memorial Day weekend and get my first Indy 500 win. That's the focus. And I was really happy after the test. So can't wait to get on track. Well, Ed, thanks for, thanks for being on the program. We can't wait to see you in action at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I'll be in the Southwest Vista rooting for you. Thanks for being on the show. And finally this week, Eli Lilly CEO Dave Ricks says Indiana must improve education and reduce health care costs to stay competitive. Our partners at the IBJ are looking into that and more. Managing Editor Greg Weaver joined us with a look ahead. Dave Ricks made some headlines last week, a speech to the Economic Club of Indiana. We talked about it on the show as well. And this this is really getting uh, some attention. Uh, you know, he basically makes the case that Indiana is doing well in some of the traditional metrics. But some of these other issues, uh, education, workforce, skilling up uh, the workforce, health care, need to be addressed. Right. And these are all issues that we've all heard before and that people talk about frequently. But I think what made these comments uh, resonate so widely was who said them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, to have uh, uh, the CEO of a corporate stalwart like Lilly make these comments in a very public way uh, really generated a lot of tension. And we thought that was why it needed a little deeper dive. So, you know, over the course of the past week, you've seen many comments on social media. You've heard it at dinner parties. It was, uh, you know, the, the topic of one of the key speeches at the Mira Awards last week. Uh, And so we decided that we wanted to talk to a lot of business people about why this has resonated so much with them. Uh, And so, you know, what we found, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Dave Ricks emphasized was that the business community needs to get more involved in pushing the legislature to address some of these issues. Uh, And in talking to a lot of business-minded Republicans, we find that their concern is that the legislature is spending way too much time on social issues like abortion and gun rights and not nearly enough time on the state's economic future. Yeah, and is that, Greg, uh, Greg, is that that one of the issues you you found is maybe going to resonate in some of the uh, some of these primary elections? Yeah, I mean, you see uh, in many of the Republican primaries for the state legislative uh, seats, that um, a lot of the the races uh, are reflective of this tug of war between social conservatives and establishment Republicans. And so we uh, take a look this week at two races in Hamilton County. 
featuring Republican nom- uh, Republicans who are seeking the nomination there. But you find this in races throughout the state as Republicans try to kind of you know, out-conservative each other. And, you know, judging by the campaign mail I've been receiving for the legislative race uh, where I live in kind of the Franklin-Shelbyville area, you know, it's all about who can be the most anti-abortion and the most pro-gun, yep. it seems. Yep. Greg Weaver, managing editor at IBJ with just a couple of big stories you're working on this week. Greg, as always, thanks for joining us and have a great weekend. That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments, as well as the top business news from throughout the state, at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.